Mark chapter number 4, and we're going to read just a couple of verses. We read these verses this morning, but we preached from the book of Matthew, but tonight we're going to stay right here in the book of Mark, continue preaching on the harvest, and um, the work we have to do as a church is more than any one person can do by themselves, and the Lord did not create his body, the church, on earth for pleasure and just to uh, exist, but he, he created the church to be his body on earth and to carry out his will. And God's will is that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge. That's God's will. He would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. We're the light in the world. We're the salt of the earth. And, and I hope that the Lord will use these messages to motivate you and to motivate me to motivate our church, and uh, it'd be foolish of me to act as if we have no blemishes. Um, in football, they call it warts. If you got issues, you got warts. Brother Hunter's flying high right now with Tennessee Vols. I mean, this is the first time they've won like this in 20 plus. And he said, and I told Miss Heather, I said, now they play Alabama next week, and I'm gonna go ahead and call the doctor and uh, and have some stuff waiting on him. I'm just teasing uh, Brother Hunter, but it'd be foolish for me, for us to act as if our church is perfect and there's nowhere we're coming behind. The truth of the matter is there's many areas where we all could do better individually but collectively as a church. One of those areas I feel strongly about is in the matter of souls and winning the lost. I understand the days in which we live. I know the times that we live prophetically speaking, but never in the Word of God... Did Jesus or, or the Lord uh, give us excuse not to do his will or do his commands? And Jesus didn't say to go and preach the gospel when times are right and when people will receive it. But he said to do it under the end of the earth. And, and we're near the end, but we're not, we're not there yet. And so we've got a job to do. And I thank the Lord that for 2,000 years, God's people have been doing his will. The only reason I'm saved tonight is because somebody took the gospel and the Great Commission seriously and gave it to me. And so tonight, let's look here in Mark chapter 4, and everybody just work at listening, and uh, I'll do my best. And um, I've, I've preached in all types of uh, prisons, nursing homes, and everything in between. Rescue. If you can preach in a rescue mission to homeless people who hadn't eaten and they're waiting on the soup, you can preach anywhere, I promise you. And that's, they used to have us do that. And we thought, man, we thought them guys was coming to hear us preach. They weren't, come to find out, they wouldn't let them eat till they heard us preach. So, and, uh, but anyhow, but uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse number 26. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a, if a man would cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth fruit unto her, of herself, and first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Father, I pray you would help us tonight. Lord, I pray from the youngest to the oldest that you would help us to listen intently to the word of God. Help me be careful in what I say. I pray, Lord, that every word that comes from my mouth will be seasoned with grace. 
You'd help me to preach, Lord, with a heart full of compassion, but also a heart full of conviction. And one, Lord, that's burdened. I pray you give me a burden tonight while I preach. Help us to open our eyes and to see the harvest tonight. I pray tonight, Lord, we'd see, Lord, the people that are dying and are going into eternity without Jesus Christ all around us. Help us, Lord, not wait until it's too late, but help us now, Lord, to be stirred in our hearts and revive, Lord, that desire, Lord, in us to see folks saved. We love you tonight, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we began preaching, and it's going to be probably for a couple weeks, and this is just how the Lord's laid on my heart. In verse number 28, Jesus said, The harvest is come. The harvest is come. And uh, we're there tonight. The harvest is here. It's not time. It's not time to uh, work on equipment, you know, and, and, and change the oil and the tractors. And if you were to go out here and stop one of these farmers and say, hey, you need to change, he'd say, it can wait. It's not time to, you understand, it, when, when it's harvest time, these farmers, they put everything to the side. And they work, and like he said right here, night and day, because the harvest is come. And so tonight, I want to preach, this morning we preached from Matthew 9 on the, on the Lord of the harvest, and Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Amen. There's no higher place or position you can have in life than working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And just because you don't have a title by your name, uh, trustee, deacon, Sunday school, that does not mean you're not employed by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all laborers together with God, and that's what we should fit. We should have a burden uh, because of the Lord of the harvest. And one day, that same Lord is going to ask us to stand before Him and answer for how we labored in this harvest field. Amen. And at that day and time, it's not going to matter. Uh, you know, it, it's really, a lot of things aren't going to matter. It, it's really not going to matter. There's going to be a lot of things, Brother Aaron, that never cross our mind at the judgment seat of Christ. But I promise you, the harvest will be brought up in that conversation. But tonight, I want to preach on the law of the harvest. Now listen, there are natural laws. Does everybody understand that? Gravity, the law of gravity. You know, God's a God of order. God established those laws. He put them in place. You can deny those laws. You can laugh at those laws. You can argue against those laws. You cannot believe in those laws. But guess what? They're absolute and they're still the same. Amen. You can climb up on the steeple tonight and say, I don't believe in gravity. I do not believe in gravity. And you can look around and start laughing. Gravity, you're a fool. Gravity, you're not real. And you can jump off, and guess what you're going to find out? When you hit that concrete out there, you're going to find the law of gravity, it's undeniable. It's absolute. Now, Brother Hobbs, I'd like you to go up there tonight and prove the... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's an illustration. I ain't going to let you be a part. But, but the law... Now, these natural laws, you got the law of centrifugal force. That's a big one, ain't it? Um, there, there's all these laws, but these are things God ordained. Now, the only person who ever lived who could break these laws was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason he could is because he's the one that made them. Amen. He was above them. You, everybody, you're not, you're not a, and, and so, but in the natural world, in the, there's many of these laws that are true in the spiritual world. And this law of harvest is one of the most absolute. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about here, that there are some laws when it comes to the harvest that do not change. You can sit back and act like you don't believe it. You can plug your ears tonight and act like you don't hear what I'm saying. But the truth of the matter is, it's still going to be the same tomorrow whether you believe it or not. The law of harvest is absolute. Every day you and I live, we see it in the natural world, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And now Jesus talks about this man that had some seed and he cast it on the ground and he went to bed and he woke up and he went to bed and he woke up and first uh, there was a blade that come out of the ground and then a stalk and then a then an ear and then a full ear of corn. And he said, he said, this is likened to the kingdom of God. And, and I want you to know tonight that there's going to be a harvest. There's going to be reaping there. And, 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 and we need to be diligent that we follow the laws of harvest. None of us should be surprised if we reap a bad harvest. It didn't happen on accident. It didn't happen coincidentally. There is a reason, and you find it right here tonight in this story. Now, I, I want to look at this, and you just follow me along, and, and you've heard some of this, I'm sure, but you probably need to hear it again just like I do. But verse number 26, he says this, and he said, so the kingdom of God, and so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed in to the ground. Not on the ground, but in the ground. Now, thankfully, what these farmers have gotten smart over the years. Amen. They've learned a lot of things about planting and sowing, and they've become very efficient. They've become very advanced. They can get in that tractor and play solitaire on their phone. They can go to sleep and they do. I mean, they've made it where, I mean, they don't lose hardly anything. But no matter how advanced they've become, there are still some fundamental laws that they all have to follow. And, and, and so the first one's this. It's called the law of implantation. You say, what do you mean? He said he had to cast it into the ground. This means, and this is how I want to say this, uh, it means we reap only if we sow. I mean, you say, I want a harvest. I, I want to reap a harvest. I want to have something to lay up. I want something to put back. I want something to give out. The only way you can reap is if you sow. There must be implantation. Jesus said that he must cast the seed to the ground. In order for there to be a reaping, there must be first a sowing. Seed, listen, seed will not yield a harvest while still in the bag. People, many are walking around. And by the way, we've got the most precious seed right here. There's ever been the Word of God. This seed right here is incorruptible. Amen. This is infallible seed. This is inerrant seed. This is inspired. This is the Word of God. And brother, Justin, it does me no good as long as it's closed and while it's under my arm. This Bible is meant to be sown. It's meant to be dispersed. And the first law is implantation. Every day, you and I, you say, what do you mean? Here, here, think about this. Every day, you and I are blessed because of someone else's sowing. The only reason I'm standing here tonight is because there were some people that followed the law of implantation. They put something in me. Timothy, uh, Paul told Timothy that from a child. 
Thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Who do you think it was that planted the seed in Timothy's life? It was his mother and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice. He said, Second Timothy 1 5. He says, uh, He talked about the, when I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith uh, which dwelt first in thy uh, grandmother Lois and Amarius. And he said, I'm persuaded it's in thee also. When Paul looked at Timothy, he saw there were some things in his life that had borne fruit that was the result of his mother and grandmother implanting something in his heart. In America, we're blessed because somebody planted seed. Now listen to this in John 4, 37. And here it is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. Think about that tonight. We're reaping what others have sowed. We're reaping the blessings. of a, The reason you've got a King James Bible tonight is because 400 plus years ago, there were men and women who were willing to die and they sowed the seed of their life in the ground so that the Bible would still be here tonight. Uh, they, they, they sacrificed the reason we've got a United States of America. I mean, this country didn't just come out of the air and just fall down. There were men and women who were willing to cast seed and implant and they never got to reap the benefits. They never got to enjoy the harvest, but because they sowed, we read. So that should challenge us to sow. And even though we may not reap it, somebody somewhere will because this law is absolute. What goes in one day will come up. If you suffer, this is what Adoram Adoram Judson said. He was a missionary. He said, if you suffer without succeeding... It will mean later on that someone else may succeed without suffering. If you succeed, if you suffer without success, there will be somewhere, sometime, someone who enjoys success because you suffer. And you say, Brother James, I I feel like I've just been planting and sowing and planting and sowing. And, 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 and I'm paying the price and I'm sacrificing and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm giving all I can and I'm doing all I can and I'm going to church and I'm trying to be faithful and I'm trying to serve God and live for God and obey God and, and, and honor God and glorify God and worship Him and, and do as He has said and it seems like I'm having little success. Just hold on to this fact that maybe one day somebody will reap because you sowed and maybe, maybe it may not be in your lifetime. It may Maybe in lifetimes to come. I think about uh, Jonathan Edwards' uh, son-in-law, David Brainerd. Uh, Brainerd, he was a, a young man, and his father-in-law was Jonathan Edwards. He was the president of Yale, I believe, or Harvard at one time. That tells you how far they've come or how far they've gone, I should say. Preached that message centers that he was a world-known preacher. And David Brannard, everybody thought he would be kind of a successor of his father-in-law. But instead, he got a burden for the Indians. And he, and he went out into the wilderness. He went out into the wild and began to become a missionary trying to reach these Indians. And he learned their language on his own. You know how hard that would be. And they said that many times they tried to kill him. They didn't want him around. They, they was trying to get rid of him. And one night they come uh, to kill him. And they gathered around. And, and they said that they seen, they seen an angel with a sword drawn. And he was laid out in the dew praying. Yeah. 
And, and those they, later, you see, later on, them Indians got saved. They converted, and they told the story of the night they saw the angel with a fiery sword. You say, I don't believe that. Well, maybe you don't. It don't mean it's not true or is true. I'm just telling you what the Indians said. And David Brenner died of tuberculosis. You know how he got tuberculosis? Praying in the dew. Out there in the, in the, in the early mornings, in the cold, in the, in the wet, in the rain, he, lived, he was malnourished. He could have lived a high life. He could have lived a life of luxury because of who he was and who he married. And the time. But he said, no, I'm going to sow. And he sowed. And they said in his ministry there was very little uh, 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 results. There was very few people got saved. Uh, but years later there were missionaries that went in behind him. And when they got there they, they discovered that there were Indians who had churches and preachers. And it was all because one man was willing to open up the bag and implant seed. The law of implantation. So stored seed often never makes it to the ground. There's a lot of people going to die with a bag full of seed because they're afraid if they get it out, they might lose it. I saw this the other day. It was up around Marion or, or, or Mount Vernon, Illinois. There was a guy, he had been on work out of, out of the country for like all since spring, all summer. He come home and he got his keys out and he, and he went out to crank his truck and it wouldn't crank. He thought, man, it was a Chevrolet, so there's your... But anyway, I'm sorry, Brother Glenn. But anyway, it was a Chevrolet. It was. And Brother Mark, he, uh, he went around. This is on the news. I've seen it with my own eyes. So you know it's got to be true. And... It wasn't on YouTube, brother, so it may be some light. But anyway, he opened the hood. Now, listen, he opened the hood of his truck, and there were walnuts in there, full of walnuts. He, he got to looking under it. There was walnuts in the wheel wells. There was walnuts in the engine bay. There was walnuts all underneath that truck in the frame. I mean, there was walnuts, and he got to getting them out, and they said by the time he got done, he got 43 pounds of walnuts out of his truck. Now I watch that, and you know, I always have kind of, I'm always thinking about preaching. I thought, man, that squirrel's gonna be disappointed. <laughs> There's a squirrel somewhere in Marion or Carbondale or, or in Mount Vernon that worked all summer to store them walnuts, to put them up. To, and, and guess what? He went, I, I bet he didn't tell none of the other little squirrels about it. He didn't tell Skippy about it. I mean, he didn't tell Alvin or Theodore or any of the chipmunks about it. He just kept hiding them and hiding them and hiding them, and he was going to build, and he thought, man, I'm going to eat good this winter, and you just wait till it gets cold and that first snow, snow starts falling. He's going to go out to that Chevrolet if it's even there. He's going to look under the hood, and there's not going to be nothing there. He's going to look in the frame. There's nothing there, and you want to know why? It's all because he tried to store it up for another day. And there's a lot of people who are building it up and storing it up and laying it up and hiding it up and, and doing all that. And they're thinking, maybe one day I'll get to have it. Maybe one day I'll get to use it. And, and they're going to die before they ever get to enjoy it. Implantation. Now, look, there's another law here. He says this, verse 28. First the blade, then the ear, and, that, then, and after that the full corn in the ear. There's identification. The law of identification. You say, what do you mean? Well, first of all, we reap only if we sow, but here's the second law. We reap what we sow. He said, you plant corn, 
and you get corn. Does everybody understand that? I know that's that's high. I mean, that's that's upper shelf high. I mean, that's advanced. That's seminary teaching right there. You reap what you sow. And by the way, you want to, when you read your Bible, there's a law called the law of first mention. And the first time seed is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 1. And then in that one verse, Genesis 1, verse 11 and 12, it, 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 it destroys evolution right there in Genesis chapter 1. He said God gave the trees and their seed after their kind. And that they might yield fruit after their kind. And so not only did Jesus say you reap, you, you reap only when you sow, but you reap what you sow. Now here's the New Testament parallel to Genesis 1. Be not deceived, Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now there is a negative aspect to this. If you sow jealousy, you'll reap jealousy. If you sow pride, you'll reap pride. If you sow anger, you'll reap anger. If you sow malice, you'll reap malice. If you, I mean, I, I'm, if you sow hypocrisy, don't be surprised when you wake up one day and you run into the biggest hypocrite you've ever seen in your life. It's a negative. But there's also a positive. Do you want love? Do you want to be loved? Then you must sow love. Do you want peace? then sow peace. Do you want mercy? Sow mercy. Do you want forgiveness? What does the Lord's Prayer say? Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And so tonight there's the law of implantation. You sow, on, reap only when you sow, but you reap what you sow. I want to ask you tonight, what are we putting in the ground? Well, there's a lot of people now that want to live uh, six days a week and sow wild oats and come to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure, but that's not how it works. You reap what you sow. In our children, you really reap what we sow. We don't reap what we want. We reap what we sow. And people say, how in the world? How in the world? I, 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 how in the world? Listen, because we sowed that. Whenever you go to sow something, you need to think, do I want to reap it? Because you're going to reap what you sow. Here's the thing. The only way to keep from sowing bad seed is to keep a close eye on the seed bag. Now, it's not been the best year for this. I'm about this week, though. I got to get it out. But I, I sow grass seed. I used to use that Kentucky 31. And I never could figure out why them yards would look so good in March and April. But come May, it was the biggest jungle. I mean, it looked like Cambodia. I mean, clusters of grass sitting there like this and just weeds everywhere. And I got to talking and asking around, and somebody said, you got to get better seed. Now, I thought grass was grass, but that ain't true. Did you know there's like 3,000 strands of fescue? That's, you want to go down a rabbit hole, start looking up that and researching all them. But, Brother David, I found this out. The better seed you put in the ground, the better harvest you have later on. The, the, and it may cost you more. It may cost you more. It may take more sacrifice. You may have to go look for it. It may take longer to find it. But you, listen, you don't just reap when you sow, but you reap, you reap after what you reap, what you sow. The same things you put in the ground, that's what you get back. Amen. So if we want a harvest of souls, then guess what we got to put in the ground? The gospel. Amen. We got to put the gospel in the ground. 
We look around and rub our hands and say, oh, I can't believe nobody's gotten saved in the last few months. I can't believe we're not seeing people say, I can't believe. But I want to ask you something. How can we reap a harvest that we've never sown? We must share the gospel. If it stays inside these four walls, we're not doing the devil any damage. He's not worried about me or you as long as we're in here. He's not threatened by us. He's not, he's not intimidated by us. He's not even worried about us. But when we leave here and we take this precious seed and we go forth and begin to sow it, that's only when we can reap a harvest of souls. Identification, the law of implantation. But then, verse 27, and should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. Now this harvest stuff, there is a mystery to it. We don't know it all. Do we? You know, they tell me these farmers, they, I mean, they get this soil tested now. I mean, it's advanced. And on them tractors, they have them, they have them GPS. And, and they've got them, they do them soil tests all over. If they've got a 100-acre field, they'll take like 75 oh, throughout that field. They'll put all that and they'll run this. And that, that tractor, they tell how much, how much potash to put here and how much nitrogen to put here. And the whole time, I mean, they've got it to a science. But did you know they told me that you can do everything right? You can have everything. You can have it balanced, the pH just right in that ground. You can have the nitrogen just right. You can have the, you can have the, uh, the, 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 the potash right. You can have the phosphorus right. You can have everything just right. You can have the seed. You can put the seed in there. You can even have rain. And sometimes that even then nothing will come up. Because there is a divine thing. There's a divine aspect to this. There is a supernatural aspect to this. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there are some things that we must do if we want. And number one, that there's, there's identification, but now there's incubation. He said that he waits night and day. There's a waiting time. So you reap when you reap if you sow. You reap what you sow, but you always reap later than you sow. Reaping is always later than sowing. You cannot rush a harvest. You know what amazes me? There's not one Olympic athlete that goes out and practices one day and then says, all right, I'm ready to go. All right, where's the race? Let's go. You don't take a man, and, and, and if they said, if, if, if they call one of these bots and say, hey, you got a heavyweight match that's going to be, uh, you, you're going to have to fight so-and-so. He, he wouldn't go to the gym one day and, and go punch a punching bag and then say, I'm ready. No, it takes time. There's no kid goes to medical school, goes to class one day and walks out and does brain surgery. If he does, you don't want to go to him. <laughs> Except for Brother Hobbs. Not much to work with there. But anyway, I'm just kidding, Brother Hobbs. He thought it was funny. Y'all didn't. Look at Verhoff. I love you, Verhoff. You don't go to law school and, and read the Constitution on the first day and say, I'm ready to go to court. You understand? Farmers don't put seed in the ground and the next day put for sale signs up on all their equipment and say, I quit because I didn't get a harvest. But yet the chill, people of God, this way we work. We think in spiritual things. We can read our Bible one day. We can pray one day. We can witness one day. We can go to church one day. We can tithe one day. And then we say it. I ain't going to say his name, but a preacher friend of mine, he had a person that got saved and, 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 and was getting in church. And they was t you know, he was trying to help him. And he talked to him about tithing and all. And, and, and like this guy had all kind of debt that he had added up from his life, you know, from his life before he got saved and all kind of people he owed money that you don't want to owe money to if you know what I'm saying. They don't look, they don't repossess your cars. They take legs and eyes and things like that. But, but, and, and he kept telling me, you know, and he said, well, I'm going to do it. And so he, he didn't hear no more about it. Well, two weeks later, he come up just mad. He said, you lied to me. 
He said, what do you mean? He said, I tried tithing and it didn't work. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he said, two weeks. And he said, but anyhow, there's a waiting period. There's a time. So what I'm trying to say tonight is there's, he said that he gets up and he goes night and day. Night and day. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And by the way, we don't determine when that due season is. Only God does. You see, what well, the problem is tonight, we want our harvest here and we want our harvest now. I heard about this missionary and his wife. They were missionaries to Africa and they spent their whole life there. And they got to the place in their life where they weren't physically able to keep going and keep doing. So they had um, national preachers that they had that gotten, you know, that were from there. They gotten saved, trained, and they were pastoring the churches. And these this man and his wife had decided they was going to come back to America and spend their last few years here because they couldn't continue to do what they were doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's something admirable about that. And Brother David, they got on a boat, they sailed back, and on that boat, him and his wife began to talk, and, and, and they began to talk about all the friends they had back in America, and all the, all the people, the churches that supported them, and they began to say, I wonder if Brother so-and-so will be there, I wonder if Sister so-and-so, they had sent letters out to all their supporting churches and their home church, and said, and told them the day they was going to come back, when they was coming back, where they was coming back, and they talked the whole way home uh, on, that, on that ride, on that ship, about who all was going to come to see them. Well, they got to the port, and they anchored, the boat anchored up, and they, and they lowered down them steps, and, and the man and his wife were so eager, they come rushing off, and they was going to be the first one, and there was a band playing at the bottom of them steps. And there was hundreds of people, and, they, and his, he looked at his wife, and he said, can you believe it? He said, they're all here. They, they, look at all these people. And she said, look, they're not looking at us. And they looked up, and Teddy Roosevelt was on the ship. Theodore, president, he had been in Africa on a safari. And, he was, and, and there was a man in one of them high-dollar suits that you don't argue with said, you need to move aside. The president's coming by. And the president come down, and they sat back and watched, and these people cheered and clapped, and, and, and they put through confetti in the sky, and the band played, and this man and his wife, they sat and they watched, and he went down, and the crowd left, and there was nobody there to see them. Brother Tyker, they walked down them steps, they said, and they got, and they were both crying. They were sad because they thought maybe somebody would be there and, and maybe somebody would. And, and that man said, he, he began to think in his heart, God, this ain't right. This ain't fair. This man went over there for a few weeks to kill animals. We've been over there our whole life to win souls. He went after a safari. We went after sinners. He said, this is not fair. He come home and he had a band and he had hundreds of people. We came home and there was nobody here and he said the Holy Spirit whispered in his ear and said you're not home yet yeah. Amen. 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 oh sometimes it feels like uh, that we'll never see the harvest that we'll never enjoy the harvest and it feels like what we do goes unseen and unnoticed but I want you to know there's a God in heaven he is the God of the harvest and listen we're not home yet but Psalms 21, 26 and verse 5 he says they that sow in tears shall reap in joy and he that goeth forth weeping bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him listen it may not be down here it 
may not be right now, but some glad day, amen, the old, the lifeboat's going to anchor into the portals of heaven, amen, and we're going to get a royal welcome, amen. I believe the angel band will sing for us, amen, and we're going to be welcomed home up by our Lord Jesus Christ, and then we can celebrate, amen, then we can rejoice, and even though we may feel like down here, there's not much of a harvest, I promise you, every seed that you and I have sown for the glory of God and for the glory of Jesus Christ, we will reap a harvest when we get home. But we're not home yet. We're not home yet. The law of incubation. So, my mom, what should I do? Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. Just keep doing. Keep going for the glory of God. Sometimes you go to church week after week, month after month, and you wonder, is it doing me any good? First, I want to say it does you more good than you realize. I mean, if you take any one of us in this room and quit and just stop coming to church for, give it six or eight weeks, we'd be a totally different person. And not for the better, but for the worse. I believe that with all my heart. I don't want to know what I would be. If I quit going, I don't even want to see it. I don't, even, I don't want to even think about it. I don't ever want to even, I hope nobody ever knows what James Martin is like outside of preaching and pastoring and being in the church. And I don't want to ever know what you, you would be like without it. But I'm telling you tonight, we got to keep coming. We got to keep sowing. We got to keep doing. We got to keep preaching. We got to keep supporting missionaries. We got to keep giving the gospel out and, and doing what the Lord, even though it seems that there's no harvest here, when we get to heaven, one day there will be a grand and glorious harvest because he said shall doubtless come again there's no doubt about it but attacker every message you ever preach ever Sunday school lesson you ever taught every track you ever gave out every missionary you ever hosted brother David everything you ever did every child you loved on every Sunday school class you supported every, I mean everything you there will come a day when we get home where you will reap a harvest it may not seem like down here it may not seem like right now but he said he went to bed and night and day night and day night and day he checked on it night and day he inspected it night and day he looked at it night and day he observed it and finally finally one day he got the sickle out amen and listen listen it may not be in this life but I'm glad one day God will let all of his children lay the sickle to the harvest and reap what they've sown the law of incubation but finally in verse 28 he says now in verse 26, he said he cast seed. But in verse 28, it says a blade and then an ear. And after that, the full corn in the ear. Here's the law of intensification. You say, what do you mean? We reap not only when we sow, or we reap if we sow. We reap what we sow. We reap after we sow. But we reap more than we sow. It started out with a seed, and then he said it was an ear full of corn. Now, this summer's been hard on this corn around here. I've seen it with my own eyes. You'll peel it back, and there might be five, ten kernels. But did you know a healthy stalk of corn, a healthy stalk of corn that's had all the right feeding and the water and all that, that they tell me that it averages, an average ear of corn has eight 
hundred kernels of corn on that one ear. And 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 how how many ears of corn is on the average stalk? Two, two. So that means there was one seed that produced sixteen hundred seeds. Now, if you didn't eat that and you didn't use that for milk and you took those 1,600 seeds and put them all in the ground, think about it now, and those 1,600 seeds produced 3,200 ears and those 3,200 ears had 800 kernels on each ear. Y'all do the math. We're getting up there 256,000. I mean, we're getting up there quick and that's just from two times. Now, there is a negative to this. Hosea said, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. You reap the whirlwind. You know what America done in the 1960s? They sowed the wind. When they opened the doors to drugs, and they, they called it a sexual revolution. Free love is what they said. Listen to me, it's cost us more than we'll ever know. Rock and roll. And, 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 and them Beatles, you know, with them bowl cuts and all that. And, I mean, some of y'all, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring up your past. I know it's some, I say Elvis and some of y'all start doing this, but. <laughs> Miss Diane used to get a kick out. I'd say Elvis, she'd go. <laughs> but they opened the door and we sowed the wind. And now, now, think about this drugs now. It's an epidemic. If you go to Walmart and Mayfield and you cross paths with 20 people, there is a high chance at least four or five of them is doing illegal drugs. And that's being very conservative. I mean, now we got to watch what our kids get on. If they get candy on Halloween, we don't call it, I, I can't remember what my uh, mama used to make us say. We couldn't say that because that was of the devil. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. We just called it free candy. But now you can't even, you got to worry. You got to go look at their candy. They're, I mean, it's got, we, we solved the wind and now we've got the whirlwind. They start free love and common law marriage and shacking up. That's when it all become. And all these sins that people, you say, well, they've always done it. Yeah, they did it in the dark and they did it in the closet. Yeah. Huh? I mean, there's been sodomites around since, I mean, since Sodom and Gomorrah, but there was a shame to it. There was a reproach to it. Not a, not now. Brother Justin was telling me up there in Canada, they got a shop teacher up there. A shop teacher in high school who's dressing like a woman. And I mean, he's going all out too. He mean, he, and, and and he's really he's just challenged. he's hoping he gets a lawsuit because they made all these laws to enable this stuff. And, and and you say, where are you going with this? We sowed the wind. We're reaping the whirlwind. There's more STDs than you can even name. I mean, listen, Lord, help us. I mean, look. I mean, we all eat out, but man. Think about who's handling your food. I mean, you just don't even know. And by the way, kids, it's, it'll get you. It'll get you at some point in time. It'll catch you. <laughs> anyway, we sowed the wind, and now we've reaped the whirlwind. It's out of control. Listen to me. Our nation is possessed by the devil. Do you? I believe that these this this drug stuff. This 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 uh, the drugs they're doing now make marijuana and LSD look like candy corn. I'm not encouraging marijuana LSD, by the way. I'm talking about it's gone so far. And these things they see and these voices they hear. Have y'all seen any of the videos in Pennsylvania? They call it zombie land. 
And there's people with their mouth hung open and thrown and they're walking around on that fentanyl high as a cut. I mean, imprisoned by that. It looks like something out of a movie. It looks like something you'd read about in a novel or in some science fiction uh, a TV series, but it's here, it's now, and it's because we sowed the wind. You sow a little line, you'll reap a lot of line. You sow a little deceit, you'll reap a lot of deceit. You know, Jacob, and I, I, I've got to finish. Jacob was a trickster. He robbed Esau. He, he robbed him of his birthright. And he went to Laban. And guess what he did? He reaped what he sowed. He said, I want to marry Rachel. I want to marry Rachel. And Laban said, okay, you can marry him. Marry her. She, made, she probably had some masculine trends because she wasn't much to look at. But he said, you can marry Rachel, but Rachel was pretty. Leah was ugly. And, and oh, oh, you know, they wore them face coverings. You know what I'm talking about? And don't you know when Jacob was getting helping? Now, look, y'all, we need to use some of that wool fabric around her face. I mean, he probably made them put extra safety pins, make sure it didn't fall down. And oh, oh, Jacob sitting there. He thought he was going to marry Rachel. And he went and, and he done work seven years for his father-in-law for free. Man, that's rough, ain't it? And he come home, he found out that wasn't Rachel, that was Leah. And guess what he had to do? He had to work seven more years. And then guess what he had to do? He had to work 21 years. And he got the trickster got tricked. All I'm saying is you reap more than you sow. Now that's negative, but it's also positive. Second Corinthians, I'm done. Nine. Verse 6 through 9. Y'all read it in your own time. And, and it's talking about the, in there about sowing sparingly and reaping sparingly. I want to ask you something. Do you want a little harvest or a big harvest? It's your choice. Because he says over there, as every man would. It's your choice. And he says this in there. He talks about God loves a cheerful girl. They say give till it hurts. That's not Bible. You ought to give till it feels good. Now, you say, you're talking about time? Oh, yeah, I'm actually talking about giving, sacrificial giving. I mean, I believe we ought to look forward. Cheerful means a life hilarious. I mean, and, and, and if you do it with the right spirit, I promise you, if you sow, God will give you, he'll bless you more. Now, if you, if you give to get, you won't get nothing. But if you give to give and to glorify God, he'll let you reap more than you can ever imagine. Now, in that same verse, I wish y'all read it. I, I know some of y'all about having a nervous breakdown, and I don't, I, I don't blame you. I would be too. So I'm trying to wind her up. But he talks in there that if you, if you, if you, sow, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And he goes on to say that you'll have, have everything you need and more. You'll abound. What that means is if you'll give, God will bless you in such a way that not only will you have what you need, he'll bless you so you can help others who don't have what they need. That's right. You cannot outgive God. Amen. You will reap more than you. Hey, listen, I want you to know, and I'm not, Lord knows my heart. He knows my motives. I'm not, but my wife and I have not done right about a lot of things, but one thing we've done right about is, is, is honoring God with the first fruit of our labor. And, and Brother David, God has blessed us so much 
10,000 times more than what we've given him. He's given back to us. What kind of price could you put on four healthy, beautiful children? What kind of price could you put on having a church to go to and, and a place to worship? What kind of price uh, could you put on getting to live somewhere? I mean, this is paradise to me. This is Canaan land for me. I mean, listen, people are moving out. They're, I mean, listen, I love this place. I'm just telling you, God, he'll give you more than you can ever use. Amen. I never forget Kim and I when we first come. I've told some y'all may have heard this, but oh well. I try not to use personal illustrations, but this is one that I, I feel like I need to. It might encourage somebody. When we come here, I'd saved up over two years of sick time and vacation time and comp time. They called it every day. I worked over. I got. I didn't get paid. I put it to sale, and the reason I did because I knew God didn't call me to stay there my whole life. I knew I, one day I'd be, and I need, and that'd be a hell. So when I left, now y'all don't, everybody don't fall out on the floor. They wrote me a check for like $28,000. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and, and that's why the men said, what, and, and, what the, and I said, well, we'll be all right. You know, we can make it. But I thought, man, that's more, I mean, now they did take taxes. But I'm talking about I'd work for that, and, I, and we were good. I mean, for the first few months, we were good. But with three kids at the time, it didn't take long until we weren't so good. And, and that savings kept going, psh, 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 psh. and the checking was going, psh, 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 psh. and it was the spring. It was it was in the winter, and we was going to take a group. Some of y'all went to this meeting, Brother John Dorsey's winter meeting, and we went down there. And I'm telling you, on Friday, I was at the water department talking to Kevin up there, and he told me I could start on Monday with a job. And I told him I was going to pray about it, and I'd let him know Monday, cause I ain't going to sit. I ain't going to ask nobody. For, I, I do not. I, I'm not. I was taught you don't ask if you ain't got. You get. You work. And I, I mean, I said, Lord, if I don't feel like this is what you want, but I ain't going to let my family go without, and I ain't going to ask anybody for anything. So I said, I'll spend it. So we went to that youth meeting, and there was a man. I don't even know his name. I still don't know his name or his wife. She had Lou Gehrig's disease. He was a preacher from North Carolina. She was in a wheelchair in front of the church. And Brother Dorsey said, I don't know why, but the Lord wants us to take an offering to help them with their medical. She was about to, she died like three months later. Now, this don't normally happen, but I preach, Brother Dorsey gave me my love offering before church. Brother David, it was 10 $100 bills. When he handed me that, I said, praise God. Because here I am, we're needing, we're needing, we're, we're hurting. You know what I'm like? We got, and I said, well, there we go. We can get by McDonald's. We can get a lot of McDonald's for that and get by, you know, but... And, 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 and then, so Brother Dorsey gets up there and he says, I feel like God wants us to take up an offering. And the Lord said, you need to give your offering to her. <laughs> I thought, well, I'm going to give her a tithe, you know. So I turned to page one in that love offering. And the Lord said, no, you need to give the offering, the whole thing. Now, listen, there was a struggle went on in my heart. And I sat there and I said, okay, Lord, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. I mean, I did want to do it, but I thought, Lord, I have no idea. And I did. Now, listen, this is, this is I'm going to cut it away. I cut all the, 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 we got in the car to go home. And my wife was in there. She'll remember this. We was driving up the road. I didn't say nothing to her. She didn't say nothing to me. We weren't mad. We were just kind of, you know. Anyway, my phone rang, and it was my tax man. And he said, hey, uh, I got your taxes done. I dropped them off on the way down. Now, normally they don't do this. You know, how many times have you dropped them off on, on Friday, and they called you on Saturday? And he called me. He said, hey, I got your taxes done. He said, are you sitting down? I thought, oh, you know me. I go straight to the worst. I'm paying in. They done got the IRS. Here, here, here. I done give my love offering away. I could have you. He said, I said, yeah, what is it? 
he told me, I believe it was about $10,000. I said, this is what it's like. I'd heard all these stories. I said, I told Kim, I said, we got, now listen, this is the, this is the truth. This is, this is no embellishing at all. This is no, we're sitting there talking. I ain't even told her about the love offer yet. And we ain't gone, we ain't got to Mont Eagle and the phone rang again. It was, it was brother Walls from Middle Tennessee Baptist Church. He was the, he owned the real estate company that was trying to sell our house. Now, when we moved here, they told us they was going to buy our house. Somebody had a contract and they backed out. I still ain't met that person, but I sure would like to. And so we had to pay that $1,000 a month house payment for a year on $350 a week and wasn't even living in it. And Brother Walls called me and he said, James, he said, I feel so bad about this. He said, your family, and he always loved my wife, and everybody always loves her more than me, but he kind of like, but he said, I'm burdened about this. He said, this ain't right. I told you it was sold and it didn't sell. He said, I'm going to help you out. I said, we're good. I, I said, no. We're, he said, no, I want to help you out. I'm thinking he's going to, you know, maybe pay a he said, how much is your house payment? And I said, uh, it's about $2,500 a month. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's, it's like $1,000 a month. And he said, when was it that y'all had a con? I said, it was last April. Now, this is February. So that's, you know, 10 months. He said, I tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to send you a check for all those, the last 10 months house payment. And he said, I'm going to pay the house payment until the house sells. And he said, I don't want to hear one word about it from you. And guess how many words he heard from me? Zero. <laughs> I don't want to rob him a blessing. Now, by this time, I've done talked to Kim, and I said, I said, hey, look, I said, you ain't going to believe this. And I told her about this offering, and she said, you're never going to believe this. She said, he gave me a love offering. He had gone to her and give her, and guess what the Lord told her to do? To give all her love offering. And I'm talking about she hadn't bought a new pair of shoes in months. <laughs> she gave everything up. Y'all never know. She gave everything up to come here. I'm telling y'all, it's not but five hours from here to Chattanooga, and this is all happening while we're driving back. And we didn't even get to Nashville till it rang again. And Troy Deaton called, and he had a surveying business down there in Tennessee. He said, James, I want to ask you, would you be interested in working for me? And I said, well, that's going to be how he said, no. He said, I've got a, a con, I've got a no-compete clause from where I used to work. He said, but my lawyer found a loophole. And if we open up a shop in Mayfield, he said, I can sell this brand through that shop. And you never have to do anything. I said, I like the sound of that. <laughs> he said, in fact, he said, we're going to pay you rent for your basement. And I'm sorry, I didn't tell you all about that. But he, uh, he said, <laughs> I don't think you all care. <laughs> He said, I'm going to pay you a salary. He's going to give you $300 a week to do nothing. I said, thank you, Lord. Now, get this. It gets better. So on Monday, now I know, are y'all ready? Are y'all, you want to hear the end? On Monday, he, he says, just go find somewhere to rent. I go to Brother Larry on Sunday. I said, hey, who should I? He said, go talk to Chris Burnett up there. Uh, and he said, he's got places to rent. I didn't know who he was. I went up there and went, walked right. I didn't realize you don't do this. I walked right in his office and sat down and said, hey, do you got anything I can rent? We began to talk. He said, let's go eat lunch. So we went and ate lunch. While we were eating lunch, he's, he was asking me all these questions. I had no idea anything about anything. He showed, he showed us a place we could rent. We were sitting there, and he said, what do you, do? you like doing? I said, man, I, I love doing yard work. He said, you want to mow my yard? I had zero yards. I did. When I come here, Zero. And Brother Baker was one of my first customers. And, but, but I, but I, I and, and he, I said, well, yeah. 
I thought, you know, I'm thinking about a yard. I, I mean, this thing, I mean, it's a big yard. I called him up and said, I said, I really don't even know what to charge. He said, just charge them whatever you want. Those are the kind of customers you want. <laughs> he said, while you're at it, he said, I've got, I've got a bunch. He said, I've got several rental properties that you, you can mow. He said, I'll have my secretary email you. She emailed me a six-page list on Monday, Drew. And I'm trying to tell you this because, Drew, I want you to grow up one day and trust God and honor God, and God will honor you. Now, I'm just telling y'all, I'm not bragging. Y'all understand, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just trying to show you if you sow. It don't always happen in three days, but sometimes it does. And listen, a couple months ago, I thought about this, about this cheerful giver. A man called me out of the blue. This stuff happens all the time, out of the blue, and said, I'm so-and-so. He said, I go to church, and so-and-so is my pastor, you know, and I've known this guy since I was young. He said, I've got a, a deer ranch in West Tennessee. He said, I want to give you a free deer hunt. And I thought, honestly, I don't care nothing about deer hunt. I said, oh, that's great. He said, it's five days and nights, food, guides. He said, a man will go sit with you and show you which deer you kill. He said, it's not a matter of if, you will kill. Well, while he's talking, you know how nosy people are. I got to looking on, and this place is like, I'm talking about, I mean, it's a real deal. People fly from all over the world. And, and he kept on, he said, now I'm doing this for preachers who, you know, Try to be a blessing. And, and listen, I'm thinking about killing this monster deer and putting it on Facebook to all these guys around here that hate coon hunters and say, look, look what I did. Because it, it would be the ultimate, yeah. And the Lord said, you don't need that. You need it. And listen, I'm talking about, it. Bert, I said, he's, and I thought about, and I said, you know what? I said, I'm not trying to sound unthankful or ungrateful. I said, but I know some preachers that, love deer hunting, they eat it, drink it, and they can't. They would never be able to do this. And I said, I'd rather one of them. And, and he said, you don't understand. He said, this is a twenty dollars to $25,000 trip. And I thought, what are they doing down there? I mean, but I said, no. I called one of them preachers, and I said, hey, I got something for you. And he, he said, what? And I began to tell him, he said, you're crazy. He said, you ain't going to do that. I just started laughing. I said, oh, yeah, I'm giving it to you. He said, you know, I said, no, no. I said, you're going to do it. I said, because God's going to do something for me better than a deer hunt. Now, it ain't happened yet, but I'm just waiting because I know it's going to. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all, God did not create us to be vessels that hold in blessing. He created us to be a channel. And when God blesses me or God blesses you, you should want to be a blessing to someone else and to someone else and to someone because we reap more than we sow. We reap more than we sow. And, and uh, there's some laws to this thing. There's some laws to this thing. Implantation. What are you putting out? What are you putting in? Identification. You reap, more, you reap what you sow. Incubation. You reap after you sow. Intensification, you reap more than you sow.